Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Insight is Capital podcast. I'm Pierre Daly, Managing Editor at AdvisorAnalyst.com, and today we're going to be talking about what has aptly been described by Nobel laureate William Sharp as the nastiest, hardest problem in finance. There's a massive and growing wave of the population expected to start entering their retirement years. Canadians who reach the age of 65 are living longer now than they did 50 years ago. However, they're also retiring slightly earlier, meaning that Canadians are retired for more than 40% longer today than they were 50 years ago. A confluence of factors has created a considerable misalignment between human and portfolio longevity that requires new thinking and innovative retirement solutions. To put it mildly, too many retirees live in fear of outliving their nest egg. Guardian Capital made quite a splash recently announcing their partnership with Dr. Moshe Malevsky to develop a suite of retirement decumulation solutions to address the quintessential retirement dilemma, which combine compelling income and growth strategies of targeted yield and return asset decumulation in what is definitively described as a modern tontine. So I'm excited to have both Barry Gordon, Managing Director, Head of Canadian Retail Asset Management at Guardian Capital LP, and Dr. Moshe Ari Malevsky as my guests to talk about these timely solutions and how they combine to solve the most classic of all investment industry dilemmas. Barry Gordon is the Managing Director, Head of Canadian Retail Asset Management at Guardian Capital. His mandate includes the responsibility to develop and execute the firm's strategy in respect of the origination, distribution, and marketing and operations of investment solutions addressing the needs of retail investors. Barry began his career in the financial services industry in 1997. Just prior to joining Garden, he was a partner at Blindspot, making investments in early-stage wealth tech companies. From 2003 to 2017, Barry was the co-founder, president, chief executive officer of First Asset Capital Corporation, which he successfully steered throughout the retail landscape. Under his leadership, First Asset evolved into a competitive, independent Canadian ETF company. Upon acquisition by CI Investments in 2015, it managed over $3 billion of assets. The firm continues today to formulate the core strategy for CI's ETF business with more than $8.5 billion in assets under administration. Barry has a law degree from the University of Toronto and an undergraduate degree from Queen's University. Dr. Moshe Ari Malevsky, PhD, world-renowned Schulich School of Business professor, is recognized globally for his thought leadership in mathematical finance, retirement longevity, and tontines. His most recently published book, his 17th, is the culmination of many years of research and thinking on the subject, released last year, aptly titled, How to Build a Modern Tontine. Dr. Malevsky brings a wealth of knowledge to the Guardian team as chief retirement architect in collaboration with Guardian Capital LP. He has helped structure GuardPath Longevity Solutions to address the very real challenges faced by retirees. This is the Insight is Capital podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast are those of the individual guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of AdvisorAnalyst.com or of our guests. This broadcast is meant to be for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed in this broadcast is intended to be considered as advice. Barry, Professor Malevsky, welcome to the show. It's both exciting and an honor to have you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, uh, gentlemen, to kick things off, tell us about the arcs of your careers and how you each got into your respective fields in finance and, and professor in academia and what you're working on together these days. Well, I'll let Barry start since he is so much older than me. <laughs> and I was going to let you start because your credentials are so much more impressive than mine. I mean, Pierre, I think you did a, um, a wonderful job of encapsulating my, my career. Um, as you noted, early, I was a, a securities lawyer very early on my, in my career and uh, quickly decided that I, I was more interested in, in sitting on the other side of the table. Um, uh, don't get me wrong, the legal training was invaluable in, in uh, the development of my career. Investment finance has always been something that fascinated me from a young age. And, and so I migrated into the investment industry, um, you know, together with, uh, with, you know, people who are uh, far smarter than me, uh, developed a, uh, um, you know, a really successful set of ETF offerings at, at first asset. And, uh, you know, the, the rest is history. I, I, uh, um, <clears throat> I became fascinated with Tontines back in, you know, sort of 2017, 2018, after I left CI 
and which, you know, culminated in, uh, um, in the discussions with, uh, Professor Malevsky and, and, uh, onwards and upwards from there. Well, I hear my uh, day job is teaching undergraduate and graduate students at the, the Schulich School of Business at York University. So that's my, uh, you know, full-time occupation. Uh, I get a little bit of time off to get myself involved in real world projects, keep my foot in the real world. And uh, when Barry reached out to me a couple of years ago saying, hey, we really want to build this thing. You've been writing about it for 15 years, but we can actually build it. I said, yeah, you know, sign me up. And, you know, given his extensive experience actually getting things done, uh, I was uh, excited to get involved. You know, I, I often joke that the distance between the blackboard and the shelf is hundreds of miles. You know, I could write an equation on a blackboard and say, this would be a great idea. But to get that from the blackboard to the shelf, requires people like Barry and his organization and his team. So that's sort of the background. Wonderful. Thank you very much for uh, for sharing that. Among the things we're going to talk about today, we're going to be talking about the uh, Tontine. What was the genesis of GuardPath Longevity Solutions? How and when did you first realize, uh, perhaps this is for you, Barry, mm. that this project needed to be brought to life? Sure. And and I just touched on it in my previous answer yeah. that, you know, the longer version of it essentially is, is that, um, you know, I, uh, in in my you know, research, in, in my time after I left CI, realized that, you know, the biggest challenges and opportunities uh, in the Canadian marketplace and, and probably internationally is uh, to create solutions that address the needs of, uh, of retirees, that, that the solutions that help them accumulate wealth uh, are not well suited in this day and age to helping them decumulate. So in other words, spend their money in retirement. <clears throat> so there's, you know, there's, we, we've conducted extensive research on um, on these challenges and how advisors and investors feel about them. And there's, you know, two major problems that, that, that need to be addressed. One is, you know, high levels of, of consistent, uh, you know, distributions in retirement that actually are, you know, decumulations. So people spending the money that they've made in order to enjoy their retirement. And second problem is the concern, the real fear around outliving, uh, one's portfolio. And so, sure. you know, uh, the, the concept started with trying to address those challenges. And, you know, the reality was, is that I wanted to be aligned with an organization, um, you know, in Guardian Capital that had a, you know, impeccable pedigree in uh, investment, institutional investment management over, you know, six decades. Uh, and that that it was going to be critical in order to uh, bring these types of solutions to market to to be um, aligned with to work with uh, you know people in uh, such an organization. So you know really that's the that's the long winded background. And then uh, yeah. as I stated, you know early on just before the pandemic. So really at the at uh, the beginning of 2020, I uh, reached out to to Mosh and said. You know, uh, I'm really fascinated by this. Uh, I would love to get together. And, you know, ironically, we were scheduled to get together in person the week after the pandemic started. So we had our oh, first boy. meeting by, um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, remotely by phone and then uh, and then continued to develop the concept and started working together officially in uh, just over two years ago, I believe. Um, so uh, and have been, you know, diligently um, uh, bringing these solutions to life ever since. Fantastic. And just, um, you know, we, we, we had a conversation last year with uh, David Blanchett and Michael Fink from the American Institute and um, on the subject of decumulation in particular. And, and we, also touched, we also touched on the subject of, of tontines, but the, the subject that was more important uh, in that conversation was that aside from, you know, the obvious uh, risks that retirees um, fear, you know, are concerned with or face. There's also the behavioral problems as well that come along with that, right? I mean, I, I think one of the problems that comes along with decumulation is, is the acceptance by the retiree or by the investor that they actually have to deplete their investment accounts as part of the decumulation process or, uh, you know, setting up, you know, traditional, traditionally, I mean, I think advisors have spent a great deal of time, you know, figuring out workarounds to what the tontines actually solve. Mm. But, you know, systematic withdrawal plans, 
that are that are more aggressively invested. Mm -hmm. I mean, all sorts of all sorts of work, you know, um, that that don't necessarily work. They they work on paper, but they don't necessarily work in reality. Mm -hmm. uh, or as I said, there's there's the the line item behavioral problem every year of, of the you know the client coming back and saying, you know, I don't really feel comfortable doing this or or withdrawing all this money every year you know, come hell or high water, mm -hmm. no matter what happens in terms of sequence of returns and annual returns in the market. Mm -hmm. um, but that obviously can be very detrimental. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a fully justified risk. And I, I, I say that because we're in the, you know, I, I think that's, that's even a bigger concern right now because we're in the midst of, of really what appears to be a historical regime change uh, following, you know, 40 years of declining government bond yields into a new regime that definitely doesn't look like it'll be as friendly to investors as the last coming from not historically high interest rates but historically very low interest rates um and and now rising from that from that historically low level as well as the inflationary and market volatility that investors are facing could end up being a very trying period especially for those nearing retirement or who are already just retired mm -hmm because of the sequence of returns risk and market volatility, I could see where, where uh, that problem would lead to people holding off on making withdrawals from their, you know, from their retirement pools. And then, and then, you know, sacrificing sort of the enjoyment of retirement because they're in fear that, that it's the wrong time to take the payments. Right. So that's what guard path <laughs> addresses. I think, I think having looked at it, looked it over, um, maybe we can talk about how, the guard path suite or the solution, the longevity suite um, addresses these problems. Sure. Well, there's, there's, um, I'm going to pass it over to motion a second. I mean, there's really two aspects to your, to your, your point and your question, which is one, the, the behavioral element of it, which, you know, uh, motion's done extensive work on and, and I'm going to leave it to him to talk about the second is, right. is, you know, how, uh, you actually manage these types of solutions to, um, you know, to try to ensure that, you know, the sustainability of distributions and long-term returns. And so anyway, um, so Moshe can, you know, do you want to talk to the, the first part about uh, behavior? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, obviously behavioral economics is very hot right now. Uh, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that, that word didn't exist or, you know, certainly didn't have the awareness that it has right now. Uh, now one feels that every conversation about investing has to include the phrase behavioral problems before one goes on. So, you know, let, let's do that. Let's give it its token. I, I'm a little bit uncomfortable calling something a problem when it's human nature. Uh, problem yeah. means solution. Well, that's a problem. So I'm going to solve it for you. I mean, it's human nature. You know, we don't solve human nature. And I think the second issue is that we don't want financial advisors with CFA designations or CFP designations or, you know, Canadian securities to suddenly say, well, and I'm a psychologist too, because I solve behavioral problems. You know, it, I, I think that there's a little bit of a risk there, but you're absolutely right. You touch on something very important uh, as uh, Dave and Mike, who I know very, very well at the American College uh, have, uh, have talked about. Uh, when we reach retirement, we treat pots of money very differently, even though their present values are exactly the same. That's a behavioral right. oddity. So if I give you a pension, an annuity, a lifetime payment, uh, whose present value is a million, and I give you a million dollars, whose present value is a million, so the net present value of both of these pots is a million, you behave completely differently, even though the asset on your balance sheet is a million dollars in both cases. When I give you a lifetime payment, a pension, a lifetime income, uh, you tend to spend a lot of it. It's coming in, you spend it. When I give you a million dollars, it freezes you. You know, a good friend of mine, Tom Hegnai in the U.S., <laughs> call, uh, says yeah. that uh, assets make retirees miserable. Assets make people miserable. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? How am I going to? And what a lot of people do, there's research in Australia and their superannuation system, is that they just spend the interest. They spend the income. They spend the dividends. So they have right. a million. And if this year it's a good year and they got a lot of interest in dividends, they spend it. And if they got less, they spend less. And, and they're trying to stabilize their wealth and their income is very volatile. That, you know, that's an oddity. That's an oddity. And one of the nice things about these solutions, which uh, Barry can talk about, is that they enable people to convert the million dollars in wealth, present value, to periodic income, which they're more likely to spend. So I think the behavioral aspect was part of what drove the design. And not to get too ahead of ourselves here, but one of the things that we felt in structuring this was that this problem of retirement 
over a long, unknown horizon is not only terrifying and scary, it's just too far in the distance to visualize. To make decisions now that will help right. you in 35 years from now. I mean, yeah, can't get my teenager to think about next week. We're going to think about 35 years from now. So part of the idea here was to convert the problem into two distinct segments. Let's take care of you for the next 20 years. And we're going to give you a reasonably stable fix. In 20 years from now, which is very hard to see today, what's, it, what's the world going to look like? In 20 years from now, there's going to be a fairly large pot of money. In fact, a much larger than you think because of mortality credit. And then you can decide what to do with the next phase. You want to buy an annuity, buy an annuity. You want to buy a long-term right. care. You want to move into a nursing home. You want to give it to the kids. Let's separate retirement into the horizon you can see and the horizon that's very, very, very distant that you don't really want to commit to today anyway. And I think that, you know, Barry can fill in the contours of how the mechanics work. But that was sort of the vision all here to deal with the point that you made. People have behavioral tendencies that we want to somehow take into account. And, and if I can. Yeah. And then. They don't like they don't like seeing their as you said, uh, professor. They don't like seeing their balance go down, and, and so they don't. So it's not that they don't want to do it. It's just they don't want to be in control of it. They don't want to be the one to pull the trigger every year and say, "Okay, let's take that four percent." Yeah, because Look, or, or you know, or we're down twenty percent this year. Uh, I don't want to take it. Yeah. <laughs> so right? I, you know, if I can supplement yeah. what what Mosh just said. So when we were looking at this, you know, from a from the behavioral uh, aspect, we very specifically wanted to try to develop tools that advisors can use to actually help their clients plan for this, this uncertain uh, horizon. And so, and the behavioral aspect of that is exactly what you're pointing to, which is typically, traditionally, people have a, you know, a portfolio and it's all geared towards, you know, earning, you know, you've used 4%, right? And so what happens is they get anchored on that 4%, the short-term returns. And so advisors spend huge amounts of time folding hands for clients who are focused on their worst performing line item month to month, quarter yeah. to quarter, instead of having long-term goals and being able to measure their long-term success by, you know, um, with, against those long-term goals. And so having tools that actually, um, you know, uh, address that uncertainty, that fear um, is, is what we were, we were striving for. I, I think of it as, you know, in an analogy, it's like we, we own cars, so we have these assets and, and nobody wants to live with the uncertainty of, geez, when is my engine going to seize up and I'm going to be stranded on the side of the road? And so, yeah. so what we do is we have programmed, scheduled service uh, intervals where exactly. we take care of the of the vehicle. Those are the tools that we have as people to reduce that uncertainty, that fear of you know getting stranded on the side of the road. So you know, again, by analogy, the what we're trying to do, the why of what we're trying to do is provide these tools to actually address some of these issues and help advisors help their clients to set these long longer term goals to you know de-anchor them from that that you know troublesome day-to-day yeah. -day fear exactly so you're not you're not you're not getting in your car every day worried about when when it's going to break down every time you drive exactly it. you're you're and and so uh, in that same analogy you know to make the analogy i think a lot of retirees aren't enjoying retirement because because they're caught up in the in this this juggling or this tightrope of, of, you know, walking the tightrope of, of, you know, are we going to be okay this year? Are we going to be, do we have to wait? Should we make, you know, I don't know. So if you can eliminate that line item, that line item risk that, that you've talked about, Barry, you're, you're really creating a situation where, where the, you know, the person whose money is supposed to be funding their, their retirement that they worked their whole life to fund. Mm -hmm. Um, is actually going to get to enjoy it without without being worried about it breaking down at some point. That's right. right? And just to, yeah. to that point, you know, what ends up happening is that uh, many, many people, uh, you can almost say on average, uh, they end up dying with the exact same wealth that they retired. Oddly enough. I mean, there's data on that. So they retire in yeah. 1987 with X yeah. and X spits off income, which they spend and they die in 19 or 2000. And it's, it's close to X. There's a lot of reasons hey. for that. Basically, they and retire you, and they, because they viewed that as an anchor behaviorally. I, 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 I got to make sure that yeah. that stays that way. 
And, uh, you know, first of all, that's not what a nest egg was meant for. That's not why they got tax breaks to save up that nest egg. It was meant to deplete and accumulate. It was meant so that we put less stress on government programs. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that the financial architecture has been built with a lot of, uh, you know, easy leeway, reduced taxes, deductibility, tax, you know, and all of that. So it should be spent. And then you get to that point and you're terrified to do it. So anything we could do to make that easier, uh, I think is going to be uh, very important. Yeah. Well, absolutely. You can't take it with you, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, but an important point, sir, if I can just, yeah. so yeah, an important point is, is we're not suggesting that, that, that people need to spend all of their money and not look after, you know, you know, charitable, uh, bequests or, or pass money along to, to, uh, um, you know, to their children or whatever they want to do with their money. The, I think the key is, is that by, you know, removing that anchor that keeps you focused on the, the entire portfolio, you actually, we, we are creating tools that allow advisors to segment and, and achieve certain objectives, which actually right. frees capital up in an unconstrained way to, to achieve those other objectives. So in sort of, instead of trying to take just one generic approach to, you know, achieve all these things and having something sacrificed in the mix, we're trying to give, create these tools so that advisors can actually uh, achieve the multiple objectives in different ways, um, which actually reduces the stress for, uh, for you know, investors, their clients, and you know, gives them long-term confidence that they're actually on a path to achieve multiple objectives and not fear of everything. Yeah. Just yeah, to add to it, and to, sorry, yeah. go ahead, Pierre. No, I was just going to say, it, it, it sounds very familiar, like it sounds like capital efficiency. Hmm. But it, it, you know, in a manner like analogously, not not. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Doctor. No, doctor, I, I, I was just going to say that you know I, I teach this course at the university called Retirement Income Models. You know, it's financial advisors that want to advise retirees, and one of the first things I tell them is you've got to figure out whether the client that's sitting in front of you, the sixty-three-year-old who's about to, there are two really major personality types. It almost bifurcates. One is someone who wants retirement income, income only but the corpus of the capital they want to transfer to their loved ones, the charities that Barry talked about. They, they say to you, no, I only want to live on the income. Don't you tell me I have a behavioral problem. You have the problem. I want that money to go to the kids and the grandkids. Those are the people that want retirement income. There's another group of people on the other side uh, that can't afford to have that preference. Nah, right. You're not going to be able to live off that. You're not gonna, you can't afford that. You must decumulate or you will not be able to make it through. Or some people say, yeah, I, I don't really have any. I don't have children, grand. I don't want to give it. I, I want to maximize my lifestyle. You know, there's an entire die broke movement out there. Not die broke is in I want to die with no money. No, I want the last dollar to be spent on the last day. I want to right. have as much as I need until I want the maximum. Ah, you're a decumulator. Well, we have some conversations to have with you. But once we decide where you are, are you retirement income oriented or are you a decumulator? We can then talk about the right solutions for them and certainly talk about where guard path fits. Uh, you know, just to add to you know, my, my mother-in-law, not to make jokes and all of that, but my mother-in-law yeah. is in the retirement income category. It would, it would scare her to deplete wealth because she wants to leave that to, you know, 18 grandkids and, and the charities and the synagogues that you want. But she has absolute. Yeah. And I tell her, but your standard of living is going to have to be lower because the income you, I don't care. I don't care. Well, I have tuna fish. You know, I, I, it, it's going to, it's going to the kid. So I'm not going to suggest that she, you know, enter into a tontine scheme so that yeah. some stranger on the other side of Canada is going to get her money. It's, it's an anathema. So we will bring that up with her. We're going to. But I think it's important to understand that we have to get to the personality that we're not imposing on people. We're certainly not telling people, you've got a problem. You're not spending enough. That's not the way to phrase it. Yeah. 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 I, you have to. I mean, as an advisor, you have to do the, the detective work at the beginning to find all this out before you start talking about solutions that, that require that bear a lot of explaining. Um. So uh, can we start, uh, let's start with, with the tontine, first of all, because I think, you know, on the surface, it sounds like a really delicious French pastry, but clearly it's not that. What is, what is the origin of the tontine and how does it work? Yeah. How does that work? Well, Pierre, kudos to you for pronouncing it correctly. You should see here how many people who just have no, you know, no idea how to pronounce we, We've had a lot of fun with that. Uh, so the tontine is a scheme that has hundreds of year history. Uh, and it's basically, you know, here's the Twitter summary. It's a bunch of people getting together and investing in something, anything. 
you know, a, a bridge, a hotel, a government bond, a parking lot, anything. And coming to an agreement, and this is key, that when they pass away, it's over for them. The rest of the survivors get it. That's it. You and I and someone, we're going right. to buy a toll road. And that toll road spits off revenue every single day. And, and whoever is alive gets to split it. But if you pass away, I'm sorry, it's going to the rest of the people who are still alive. That's it. A collective yeah. sharing the thing. That's the Twitter, the elevator summary. And, and it has been used historically as a way of raising capital that was more popular than stocks and bonds. There's a period in the 18th century where that's the way globally capital was raised. In fact, there are many, many uh, hotels and coffee houses and bridges, if you go to the UK, uh, that were financed that way. A bunch of people in a, in, a, in a city would get together and say, look, we need a bridge to get over the river. We need the money. Uh, it'll generate a bit of a toll. Who's in? And yeah. they would say, well, how are you doing? They'd say, well, it's going to be a tontine. Whoever's alive gets a, oh, that's great. And of course, as you can imagine, the mathematics is people pass away and that money goes back into the pool and the interest, you're getting better and better returns. You're, you're winning, you're beating everyone. He just fought a government bond. I bought it in a tontine format, so I'm getting everything. So, you know, it would by far exceed the income from anything else. And that excess would be called uh, survivorship credits or mortality credits. That's kind of the historical concept. And, you know, yeah. that's 300 years ago. You know, Barry's got to tell you what's happened in the last 300 years. This is obviously, <laughs> we're not buying uh, bridges uh, over the Thames River. That's, that's not what this is doing. But, you know, that's sort of the historical origin of it. Yeah. And, it's. I think the subject of of uh, mortality credits or survivorship credits is uh, is fascinating. That that mortality, uh, and I'm quoting you, uh, Professor, which is that you know mortality is an interest rate, yeah. and and that translates directly into a return for all the participants in the the tontine, which is by the sounds of it, it sounds like crowdfunding, crowdfunding your your retirement income. Yeah. Although but, I would use I, mean, I would use the language given your audience of this is uncorrelated alpha. Bingo. Yeah. It's alpha. It's yeah. hundreds of ba hundreds of better, basis points. Yeah. Hundreds of basis points of alpha uh, that is not just claiming to be uncorrelated with the market. And then we have a meltdown and everything goes down and correlations go to 100 percent, as happens over and over again during crisis. When liquidity dries up, you thought you had uncorrelated. This is uncorrelated alpha because nature has built things that biology doesn't care about the Dow. <laughs> yeah, that's a fantastic, fantastic point. Can we talk about a little bit more about the the uh, survivorship credits, the mortality credits? Sure. Um, in terms of, of, you know, how that how that actually works. Just I, I know I know there's a clear cut explanation uh, but maybe if you could, if you could, you know, sort of open up about that. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to. And actually, I think it, not, it nicely bridges the historical tontine to the modern tontine as, as we have conceived and, and developed right. it, which is the bridge to between the historical tontine and the modern tontine as we've conceived it is, you know, we decided that it wasn't a, a useful uh, for society to build something that was a last person standing concept. And so, um, we specifically designed the modern tontine to have a finite life with the clear objective of having a large uh, group of people from any given cohort uh, alive to benefit from it, uh, you know, 20 years hence. Um, so that's the, that's a key differentiator between the modern tontine and the historical tontine. You know, ours is time limited and it's specifically designed so that, you know, a large group of survivors can, can benefit from the, the pooling of their investment capital and, uh, the mortality risk, uh, 20 years hence. So that's, that's, that is a key, um, you know, differentiator and, um, uh, and yeah, that's fair. That's, that's very interesting, actually. I, I so. So now if you, so basically you're saying if you survive the 20 year term of the tontine, of the modern tontine, then you would be on the receiving end of the division of the tontine's value. That's, that's exactly right. So, so, you know, 20 years, we grow the, uh, the, so people invest their capital. And then, and this is also as probably a segue into how the actual mortality credit element of, of the modern tontine works. So people invest their capital and that is invested on their behalf. And at, over that 20 year period, as people die, they forfeit a portion, um, right. of their, uh, of that capital, of that 
plot that has grown over time um, for, the for the benefit of the remaining unit holders. They don't get nothing. So it's not like, again, like the historical tontine where, you know, you die, you lose it all. This is, this is a portion of what has um, grown over time is retained for the benefit of other people. Um, and, you know, so in fact, that discount over time, that, you know, it grows uh, starting at 5% for the first three years, and then it grows by 5% for, per year for a number of years, and then, you know, right. ultimately caps out at, at 50%. So um, the, the goal is to not strip all of the, the, the value away from somebody when they die, but to supplement the, the uh, investment returns of the pool with the, with the mortality credits. So the mortality credits, very specifically, are derived from essentially uh, that accretive effect when, you know, if, if person A passes away and, the, and they owned, you know, they, they invested $100,000 and the, the pool has grown to $400,000, they pass away 15 years from now, 50% of it is retained. So okay. all of their units are canceled, but the trust keeps half of that value. So 200,000 of the 400,000, and that's for everybody to, else remaining in the pool to share. The, the, uh, and so fast forward over time, obviously, as that happens, and let's assume that there's roughly half the cohort that is still alive at the end to share, then you have this, you know, compounding effect that it, on the net asset value, um, the assets stay in, the number of units decline. And so ergo, you've got a, uh, a pool, a larger pool of capital um, to share amongst the survivors. Okay. And, so and just to I'm, add, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I was just... <laughs> Here, I'll let uh, you talk, I, but there are two things I there are two things I'll add later to what Barry said to tie into the behavioral side. But go ahead. I, I don't know if um you know this is a stupid question, but if I'm in the if I'm in the tontine and I pass away in year fifteen, um, does my estate get anything from the tontine? It does, yes, right? That's, that's what so, I wanted to clarify. So yes, yeah. so further to the example that I just gave, right? So if if you invested $100,000, the value 15 years from now is $400,000 and you pass right. away, uh, your estate gets $200,000. So in, in essence, what they, they only get um, in that you know, illustration, um, you know, 100% growth on their, on their initial investment. Right. Um, if that's I could, that's perfect. Yeah, thank, yeah. No, thank you, Barry, for clarifying yes. that. That's, yeah. that's great. I, I think it's important also for people to understand you're getting 50% of NAV but that might be yeah. 100% of the money you put in. That's right. Don't, don't mix up two things. Right. You put money in, you might actually get it back in 10 or 15 years when you die, or the estate. You're yeah. getting 50% of NAV, and if, if NAV has grown, right, I, I think that's important. And the other issue, you had raised behavioral earlier, and this is precisely yeah. why it was designed this way. I think that was part of the back and forth with Barry and I as we were starting. I said, no, no, I want people to die and lose everything. I, I, we need the highest possible mortality credits like they did in 1722. And he said, right. no, nah, nobody's going to buy that, Moshe. That's a great problem. Nobody's going to buy it. it people are going to be afraid. We're going to have to give them something back, which dilutes a little bit the mortality right. credits. But do you want to buy something? You want to build something elegant or something people are going to buy? And, and I think that that was part of this. So <laughs> that was the rationale. Yeah, definitely elegant. I, I, I have to say, like, I, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, while we're talking about this, because I hadn't even considered what you what we just got through discussing, which was that, you know, I, I feel like if I'm in the tontine, I have so much to look forward to and so many reasons to look after my health and so many reasons to have more enjoyment in life rather than than contemplating, you know, what if I die before everything is spent? You know, what if I outlive my money? Yeah. Yeah. There's actually Pierre. Or, there's, or, or there's, sorry. Yeah. What if I outlive my money? Yeah. Pierre, there's research that shows that. That isn't just something speculative that sounds like yeah. science fiction. There's research that shows that when you give people income for a period of time that is conditioned on them being alive, so it incentivizes that. Not only do they use that income to take care of them, as we know, psychologically, there's, some, there's, you know, there's something right. to live for. The, the, the fear is gone. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of behavioral effects that we won't know for 20 years. But I can assure you, there will be a scientific paper at the end of the 20 years when we wrap up the first cohort and we're going to take a look at survivorship in effect. And, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of the kind of things that you're describing. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what the, the results are of this experiment. Yeah.
this great, you know, this fantastic experiment that you're undertaking right now. It's, uh, it's, it's truly amazing. I, I, you know, now that we've clarified some of the early points, I, 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 uh, you know, I, I feel, I feel, uh, some excitement. I mean, <laughs> that's putting it mildly. I feel very excited about, you know, the idea that, that, you know, this solution is, is available, mm. that, that people can actually opt for this kind of thing and, and, and have so much to look forward to rather than spending so much time in, in, in a feeling or state of dread you know, wondering, am I going to make it? And I, I think you've already answered the question because one of my upcoming questions, and I think we've already sort of talked about, unless there's more detail that you want to share on, on uh, and I, I, maybe maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I want to, I think the, the next question I want to ask you was, um, uh, how does the decumulation strategy work? Well, how do you, yeah. and then and, the and, next question is, yeah. That's a good, I, I'm sorry, I keep on interrupting, but you know, I'm a professor, that's what I do. I think it's very important for Barry to talk about that yeah. because my sense, having done a lot of media over the last couple of weeks, is that the Tontine is so innovative and different, as you pointed out, it tends to crowd out all the other great stuff that they're doing. You know, there's protection strategies, there's options that are being used. So I'm glad you asked that. And, you know, yeah. I'm hoping Barry can spend a bit of time talking about how we're creating decumulation. So go ahead. Yeah. And so, so that's actually a perfect segue because, you know, so we've been talking so far about the Tontine, which is to, to try to create, let's call it a longevity hedge for that horizon 20 years and beyond so that there's capital available to you. You know that there's going to be a pool of capital available to you 20 years to spend as you see fit in your later years in retirement. But there's that the the first twenty years that horizon. So how how do we how do we approach that? And so that's why we developed the um, the managed decumulation strategy, which is very specifically to be clear. You put in a hundred dollars, and our specific goal, the objective, is to have on twenty years from now have there be zero left. And so the the challenge is how do you try to manage a portfolio of assets to deliver consistent levels of of distributions over a 20 year period and you you know you it's so that's going back full circle to what i said about guardian capital you know so uh guardian has you know deep roots in managing portfolios that try to do exactly this type of thing and so right. we you know it's it's a combination of of asset allocation both strategic and and you know tactical but uh, also overlay strategies which uh, actually protect against, help protect against material drawdowns, particularly early on in the in the portfolio's life. So managing, as you mentioned earlier, Pierre, that sequence of returns risk, which is so critical and and frankly misun either misunderstood or or underappreciated as as a danger to uh, people in retirement. You know that we know mathematically that you know everybody benefits from you know dollar cost averaging on the way on in accumulation. Well, yeah. uh, when you take money out in down markets, you know it has a uh, a, a there's a multiple <laughs> factor of that of the benefit on the way down. So it's very dangerous. So right. so that's why we've structured the portfolio and the management of it the way we have with our teams to. Um, implement strategies that actually, um, you know, try to deliver that smoother return without uh, material drawdowns to ensure that the portfolio lasts and we can, you know, achieve uh, the objective of, of consistent uh, distributions over time. So now I, I noticed you have, you have three components that are part of the, mm -hmm. uh, of, of the suite of, of solutions of the longevity suite. Um, you've got the decumulation strategy, mm -hmm. and then you've got on the other side the tontine, and then in the middle you've got the the hybrid strategy, Correct. which is the combination of of the decumulation strategy and the tontine strategy. Correct. Uh, combined. Yeah. Right? Correct. And so the you know to be clear, so as as we talked about earlier, there's really two distinct challenges, that high income and that, that you know, um, fear of outliving the portfolio. And so we're trying the two solutions address them separately, but oftentimes they're interrelated and, and they're, you know, coincidental. So, so that's why we ha have them separated into, you know, into separate vehicles. However, 
um, in our research, you know, we ascertained that that a uh, a single solution that actually combined the two of them would be most convenient for some uh, types of investors and advisors. And so the hybrid uh, Tontine series of the managed accumulation fund, instead of you know, and so bear with me as I back up just a half step. The 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 you know the managed accumulation uh, F series. Um, is striving to achieve an 80 cent per year distribution over 20 years. Okay, so that's your baseline. And then with the hybrid Tontine series, what it's doing is in, instead of paying out all 80 cents to you in cash, what it's doing is it's taking 15 cents of that 80 cent distribution. So you're still getting 65 right. cents that's going to your spending needs. But 15 cents is being systematically invested through a switch mechanism. Um, uh, into uh, units of the Tontine Trust on your behalf. So you actually are, you know, gaining, you're getting cash flow and you're also getting an investment along the way in the, in the Tontine Trust. And so that is done for you. So for some people, it's a very um, elegant way to achieve both, uh, uh, both, you know, to, to try to solve both of these challenges for them. Um, but, you know, if you're, if you don't want, if you say, well, I really only need, you know, I want seven, I don't want six and a half, then, you know, you can take the 8% and invest, you know, uh, or sorry, the 80 cents and invest, you know, 10 cents per year in the, the Tontine yourself. It's just intended to be a, you know, a, a, a solution where we execute it on your behalf. Right. So, so I, that was one of the questions I was going to ask was that, was that, Either of the two main components, either of the de decumulation strategy or the tontine, can be used separately. Absolutely, the, there's they don't have to be. I mean, the hybrid is is the is the the middle ground, the fusing of the two solutions that you provide. Sure, but otherwise, I mean, I guess uh, it, an investor is free to use the Tontine in conjunction with any of their assets. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody may, yeah. you know, so I'll give you two different examples. And Moshe, I'm sorry if I'm dominating this, you feel free to, the, the you know, the, the, uh, an example where somebody who has ample capital, they're, they're not, you know, and by the way, they're, they're not north of 60, they're 50. And they have tons of yeah. capital, so they're not, they're not worried about how much money they're, they're going to have when they're 85 because they've got lots of it. But they yeah. they really like the in this um, they like the approach of you know investing a portion of their money into a decumulation uh, strategy, which gives them some you know some surety, some you know relative assurance around uh, around uh, the, those cash flows, and then that just frees up capital to invest in whatever else they want. So the, you know one example, the other example would be. I like, I don't want to actually take any risk with my, uh, you know, zero risk on the, on the, the, the cash. I like a cash wedge and thank you very much. And I'm going to invest it in, in GICs and that's going to be my, the source of capital. But I really like this concept of making sure that I've got some money available to me when I turn 80, when, and if I turn 85. And right. so, boom. So I just want the Tontine. So they can be used, you know, completely separately. You know, oftentimes for lots of investors, those those challenges converge, right? Um, because so this will probably be obvious to you, but in this day and age, you know, uh, trying to generate the income that we need in retirement for the average person, what's happening is is that they are um, uh, focused on trying to generate that level of return from one portfolio, and in order to generate the the return they need. They've got to take a whole bunch of incremental risk in order to achieve it. Absolutely. So they go way up the yield curve, yep. way down the credit curve, or a whole bunch of equity risk, which, of course, paradoxically, increases the likelihood that they're going to outlive their portfolio. So, so by, you know, by having these tools, it allows them to address one aspect, both aspects, or all of it, um, depending on their needs. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, chasing yield, it's not hard to understand when, when you consider that, you know, a 2% income, you know, let, let's say a bond, let's say the average fixed income yield right now is two and a half percent on a million dollars. That's $25,000. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not, it's not really a living income. Mm. 
And that's um, nominal, not real. That's nominal, right. not inflation adjusted. So right. your, your, real, your real return is negative. It continues to be negative. Feds raise rates, you're still learning a real negative return. And yeah. mortality credits aren't nominal. Mortality credits are real. So I think it's very important to understand that what is being created here isn't something that isn't going to look attractive once interest rates are eight. You'll always want 300 real basis points. 300 nominal basis points may not be exciting, but real basis points. I think that's important to differentiate the inflation yeah. story now. I mean, when we started on this two years ago, we didn't think that we'd have to talk so much about inflation two years out. But I think it's important to emphasize that. I think another issue, and Barry and I have a side bet going as to which one's going to be more popular. And you touched on this peer earlier. Are people going to say, once they understand the tontine, before they understand the tontine, it's a fog. Once they understand the tontine, are they going to say, I'm in, here's 100,000, see you in 20 years, Yeah, tontine crust. Or are people going to say, you know what, I, I think I'm going to buy this slowly. I, I'm going to buy this over time. Ah, hybrid tontine. So yeah. uh, I won't tell you what side of which bed Barry and I are taking. <laughs> That's something else. But see, uh, we have see, a I, I out. which one's going <laughs> to... I yeah. find I find the uncorrelated alpha angle very attractive. Mm -hmm. I think being able to put something like the tontine as a component of a portfolio construction as an uncorrelated alpha is a very excited a very exciting opportunity for investors just mm -hmm. like collectibles or art. I mean, you know, if you're buying art, you're buying collectibles, you're buying other alternative types of assets or, you know, straight alternatives, not, not necessarily derivative alternatives, but if you're buying straight alternative assets, um, that fits really nicely into, into a, a portfolio construction as well. So there's so many ways that, that these components can be used as tools, not just, uh, not just a straight investment program for retirement income, mm -hmm. but that's a whole, I mean, then maybe that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> Is, is yeah. how, as long as you don't add. compare us, yeah. yeah. As long as yeah. you don't compare, as long as you don't compare yeah. this to NFTs, I was afraid that was the next statement you were <laughs> no, going to make. No. I'll do no. NFTs. I'm like, oh man, we're not going there. Yeah, no, it's but it's it, a source of uncorrelated return, um, and you know, obviously, it's it uh, it's accretive um, in you know in the the long term for investors, and so. That's, you know, clearly a, a differentiating factor of, you know, for example, people would say, well, you know, like, okay, I get it. Like 20 years, it's, a, you know, so I'm going to just invest in a long-term equity fund for 20 years and, and don't I end up in the same place? Well, no, that's correlated with everything else you've got. You don't have the accretive effect of the mortality credits and you don't have the uncorrelated effect of the mortality credits. Right. So I, mean, I think I, know, for many years, I mean, just to, to understand the, the innovation here, you know, the, the uh, insurance industry has had a monopoly on mortality credits. I mean, you think about it because somebody will yes. say, you know, wait a minute, isn't that just a defined benefit pension, life's annuity? Like, yeah, yeah. But, but why should they be the only ones that can do mortality credits? Yeah, they may have a monopoly on guarantees because of the insane amount of capital that they need. And, and that obviously translates into DOE. But why should they be the only ones that can do mortality credits? We want to do mortality credits. And I think that's what we're trying to do here, to separate mortality credits from guaranteed lifetime income. Those are two completely separate things. You want a guaranteed income to the age of 50, you know, go buy a portfolio of strip bonds. But you want mortality credits, you should be able to do it in a security setting as well. I think that's the way I, as an economist, would say it. Could be yeah. the lawyer and Barry would cringe in the way I've just explained it. But that, that's sort of the way I view it. No, I don't cringe. I just think, though, that it's very important to point out that we are not an insurance product. There are no guarantees associated with what we're doing, right? It's, it is an investment solution. We've structured it as such. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, they're all regulated, uh, you know, under the CSA's, uh, policies, National Instrument 81102 for mutual funds. So, you know, look, these are investment funds and, you know, they are investment objectives. There are no guarantees. If you want a guarantee, right then you need to go to, you know, the insurance company, right? So, so, but we similarly, the flip side of that coin is we don't have to um, have the capital reserves and all of the expenses associated with a guarantee. And so we can hopefully deliver uh, a, both a, you know, a higher level of, of consistent income on the decumulation and a higher overall rate of return on the, the tontine because we're not burdened by those expenses. So, so we give you the full alpha. I think that's very important to understand. 
They can't give you the full alpha because they've got to set aside all of that because they've also guaranteed you something. We're separating it. One of my questions uh, was going to be, you know, I think we've we've already answered it, but maybe there's a couple other details that we can touch on. But tell me if I'm wrong. But I, I, my question was, you know, how is this different from annuities? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so, just to be clear, yeah, I mean, just to yeah. be clear, we have nothing against annuities. Yeah. I mean, some of right. my best friends are annuities. Don't don't get me wrong here. It, it, <laughs> annuities have an important role to play in the retirement portfolio. If you take a look at anything I've written in the last 25 years. What I'm saying is is that we just have to make sure that people understand what are you buying when you buy one of those. And we happen to understand something called the annuity puzzle, which is the fact that thousands of economists, thousands, not hundreds, are scratching their heads saying, why are people buying this thing? You know, why are people going out and buying the life annuity? And, And the reason is many of the behavioral obstacles and tendencies that so we're not sort of saying this is better than, or this is an alternative to, uh, that's not what we're saying here. And I think Barry hit the nail on the head. This is not guaranteed. Please remember that. I have no idea yeah. how many people will survive 20 years from now. I have a rough estimate. I can certainly give you confidence intervals, but we're not guaranteeing anything. We're certainly not guaranteeing that 80% will survive. That's a scary thought. No matter what happens, we make sure. Only 80%. If there's extra people, we'll make sure they're not around. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> I think, I think it's, uh, you know, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think we're, you know, we're not here to, to, uh, they're all different. Uh, all these things are, they're all just different tools. Yeah. You know, the more tools you have in your toolbox, the more solutions you can provide. I think, I think that's the key here. And that's, you know, I think, one of the problems in the financial industry is that, you know, has been historically has probably been the training mm-hmm. that happens uh, across the industry. And so without without putting any anything in particular down, I think depending on who your mentors were when you came into the business as an advisor or how they were trained or where they trained, who trained them, what company trained them, what was their, you know, their training ground. You're going to get all these different biases that 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 create you know negative impressions mm-hmm. on on things like annuities, on things like whole life insurance, on things like you know a variety of different products that that uh, once were very popular and now are no longer popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but the funny thing is that is that everything comes and goes in cycles, and and suddenly a lot of products that were not popular for obviously and maybe even for obvious reasons for the last 15 or 20 years or longer is because the stock market was very popular mm. and you know we 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 had uh you know this this 12 years of quantitative easing and 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 you know low you know interest rates falling mm-hmm. for 40 years mm-hmm. Uh, but we're 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 going in the opposite direction or we're starting to head in the opposite direction and and I always ask, you know, I always wonder how long is it going to take for advisors or for the industry to to write that ship, you know, towards guiding, you know, retail clients, retail investors to start to really make some substantial changes or, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, allocations to assets that that aren't going to get, you know, keep getting hurt by the change in the regime. Mm-hmm. How long does it take for for us to let go of those historical biases that, you know, we've had literally we've had 40 years to get used to it and now we have to get unused to it. So I love I love Whoa. where where you know mm-hmm. like the adoption of new ideas um comes in and I love the the angle on on the uncorrelated alpha mm-hmm. professor. That's fantastic. That's a fantastic insight. Um, yeah. And just Pierre, Pierre, just to add, I know we're winding up here, yeah. but just to add to your comment, it's not just that we now have an end to the 40-year decline in interest rates and the eight years and what We now have that in conjunction with the fact that people in their own life are going through a transition, which is from accumulation to decumulation. Absolutely. So it's yeah. the, the intersection of those two is really where this, uh, yeah. this is coming in. It's not just we need to think differently because, you know, the Fed is running things different. It's like you're in a new stage of life during that traumatic episode what are we going to do yeah and well i'm thankful and sorry just to, to add to the, the hopefully rounding out the picture um you know to to your point pierre these are tools that are intended to be used as part 
of the overall planning process for you know retirees and 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 the re the reality is is that you know we advisors perform an incredibly valuable function right and so what we want to do is just make sure that they have the the necessary tools to plan properly for the different types of clients they have so you know to your point you think about somebody who just started decumulating this year right they've got a 4060 portfolio and they started decumulating and they have had massive drawdowns the stress that yeah. they you know might be uh subjected to associated with geez oh my goodness do i do i have to stop taking money out do i have it like so again you know just providing people with the with some additional tools so that they can actually create these long-term successful uh you know uh strategies that uh um that help to ameliorate those uh um those worries sure i mean if you're if, if you're down 25 percent you know, you have to come back 33.3 to get it back. Mm -hmm. And so if you're withdrawing, if you're withdrawing from the 75% that you have left after the correction, uh, you're, you're further crippling your, your recovery right. by taking money out of the pool that needs, that needs to have a multiple greater recovery. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, down 50 is a hundred, right? I mean, people forget these, these ratios, but, but if you're down, if you're down 50%, like March 9th of 2009, mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or uh, you know, March of 2020, we were down 37%, uh, markets were down 37%. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are huge numbers to come by, to, to come back to. I mean, yep. and, and that's the, that's largely where the sequence of returns uh, risk, you know, lies yep. is in, is in those drawdowns. Real, like, real. and the role, yeah, yeah. and just to end the role of put options, which is a word we haven't used yet, yeah. the role of put options of enabling you to truncate that at the expense of upside, because you have to pay for those puts by writing some calls. I think it's incredibly important in retirement. We can't be greedy. You know, it, 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 we don't want to lose more than a certain amount in it, right? We want to, but at the same time, you're going to have to give up some upside. And that trade-off is completely unappealing to the accumulator. You know, when I'm 20 right. years from retirement, I'm like, no, I'm not interested in that trade-off. I want full upside. And yes, I understand that that means some downside. I don't have to touch this. In fact, I'm adding to it. So don't even talk to me about protecting coloring. Once I'm in decumulation, that is a very attractive proposition. And I always just baffled by the fact, why aren't people using options to do this? Well, because, yeah. you know, you're talking about mom and pop here. Well, now this is put into an aggregate structure. I, I think yeah. that's an important angle that, again, sometimes gets lost because everybody's so excited about the taunting. Like, wow, it's not, let's not forget, there's a lot of other innovations here. Honestly, this could have been launched without tauntings because of all the important decumulation things that are going yeah. on. Let's not lose sight yeah. of it. Yeah. Very important. So what, what was the wager? Our lips are sealed. The, You'll have to wait uh, 20 the, years. Um, 20 years. Yeah, they will I disclose mean, this point on your stage. All right. So That's right. Barry, where can, where, can, uh, <laughs> where can investors, where can advisors and investors get more information about guard path? So, so look, there's. And about the loan. Yeah. So, so the, the, uh, a very simple way is, you know, www.guardpath.ca. Um, that takes you to the website that has, you know, a whole host of educational materials and, 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 you know, product positioning materials. Um, in addition to that, obviously we have, uh, tons of people who are dedicated to interacting with advisors and ed educating them, uh, on these solutions and, and how they can be positioned, the use cases, how they can be used in, in, uh, in client portfolios. And so, you know, if an advisor is, you know, has a contact already at, at Guardian, um, then great, reach out to them. If they don't contact us and we'll connect you with the, uh, with the right person. Um, that's, uh, that's probably the easiest. Wonderful. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time and your insight. Uh, so honored that you could be here with me today uh, to talk about this. Uh, this um, what was the hashtag? Revolutionize retirement. Yes. <laughs> yes. This uh, right. 
this revolution in retirement planning. I, I think uh, it's very exciting. I think a lot of people are going to be excited, right, rightly excited mm-hmm. by this um, this innovation that you've that you've brought to market. Thank you so much for your time, and and Professor Malevsky, I'm honored to have you, and of course Barry, Thank you. you as well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I echo that sentiment. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Better well, help, for sure. It's, it's been an honor to it's been it's been an honor to have Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely an honor to Thank have you. both of you yeah. on. Thank you so much for that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pierre.